Dave Grohl and the rest of the Foo Fighters have a new movie coming out titled Studio 666, which seems to give a hyperbolic caricature of what took place in their last studio recording. And some are suggesting that couples should take illicit drugs in order to save their marriages. Stay with us as we look at these and other stories on the 511 News. Now, there are two kinds of people in the world, only two kinds, not black and white, not rich and poor. There are those who are dead in sin, and there are those who are dead to sin. After three nights of unbridled lawlessness across London, the contagion is spreading. The problem is that God has already judged this. He has judged murder already. I don't need to question it. I don't need to ask and wonder what his plan is. We're commanded as Christians not to participate in the works of darkness, but expose them. Welcome back to the 511 News. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And on today's episode, we're going to be looking at a new movie coming out in a couple weeks. And it might sound a little eerie, specifically when we deal with the topic at hand regarding some of the experiences that Dave Grohl and the rest of the Foo Fighters had in a mansion in Encino when recording their latest album, as well as discussing specifically an article that was out by the New York Times, as well as others, covering the idea that couples may want to take illicit drugs in order to help save their marriages, and whether or not a couple, maybe one to another, husband or wife or so forth, who is influencing their spouse into doing something like this, should simply submit and be involved in this sinful behavior. But as we get into it, the storyline here deals specifically with the movie coming out titled Studio 666. And I want to give you guys the about that is on their page, the official page for the movie. And it says, quote, in Studio 666, the legendary rock band Foo Fighters move into an Encino mansion steeped in grisly rock and roll history to record their much-anticipated 10th album. Once in the house, Dave Grohl finds himself grappling with supernatural forces and that threaten both the completion of the album and the lives of the band. Now, this has sparked some interest from a number of people, specifically after watching our expose titled Artists Reveal Their True Haunted Experiences. And before we get into the clip in which Dave Grohl talks about the mansion that they actually filmed this movie and recorded their album in, I wanted to read what Dave Grohl had to say regarding the movie himself, where he stated, Filmed at the same house we recorded our latest album, Medicine at Midnight. Told you that place was haunted. We wanted to recapture the classic magic that all of our favorite rock and roll movies had, but with a twist, hilarious gore, that Blanken rocks. And now, with the help of Tom Ordenberg and the team at Open Road Films, we can finally let this cat out of the bag after keeping it our best kept secret for two years. Be ready to laugh, scream, and headbang in your popcorn. Studio 666 will blank you up. Well, I'm sure it will, Dave. 
uh, for a number of reasons, but specifically when it comes to this film that supposedly has him killing all of his bandmates, uh, becoming demon-possessed in the film, haunted, and so forth. This is actually what seems to be a reaction to what was going on when they went to record their last 10th album, Medicine at Midnight. And so we're going to hear from Dave regarding just the recording and some of the stuff that was going on. And this was actually featured in our expose, Artists Reveal Their True Haunted Experiences, where you can hear from Dave and what he had to say about his own haunted experiences. While Ruben worked with a number of other artists in the mansion, Dave Grohl of Nirvana and the Foo Fighters dealt with his own paranormal experiences while recording the most recent Foo Fighters album, Medicine at Midnight. Quote, When we first came to see the house, the vibe was definitely off. We knew that it was a bit creepy. You know, some people believe in ghosts, some people don't. Some people are receptive to bad vibrations, some people aren't. But when you walked into this place, it was undeniable that there were cold spots. You had that feeling in the back of your neck like someone was standing behind you or watching you. I lived in a house in Seattle that actually had a ghost in it. Things would move, you would hear footsteps, but the worst part was that when you were downstairs in the house, you always felt like someone was right blanking behind you. And at night, when you'd close your eyes, you felt like someone's face was right next to yours. That really blanked me up. Grohl would go on to explain some of the experiences while leaving others to the imagination. Quote, Anyways, so when we walked into the house in Encino, I knew the vibes were definitely off, but the sound was blanking on. So, we started working there, and it wasn't long before things started happening. We would come back to the studio the next day and all the guitars would be detuned. Or the settings that we put on the board, all of them had gone back to zero. We would open up a Pro Tools session and tracks would be missing. There were some tracks that were put on there that we didn't put on there. But just like weird open mic noises. So nobody playing an instrument or anything like that, but just an open mic recording a room and we'd be blinking zero in on those sounds within that. And we didn't hear any voices or anything really decipherable, but something was happening. It got to the point where I brought one of those nest cams that I have at home for when my kids would sleep in their cribs. I would set it up overnight so that we could see if there was anyone there or anyone was coming to blink around with us. At first, nothing. And right around the time we thought we were ridiculous, and we were out of our minds. We started to see things on the nest cam that we couldn't explain. Then we found out of the history of the house. I had to sign a blanket non-disclosure agreement with the landlord because he's trying to sell the place. So I can't give away what happened there in the past, but these multiple occurrences over a short period of time made us finish the album as quickly as we could. You know, when you think about it and you see that after stating all those things that they had decided to actually make a film regarding some of the haunted experiences and then just simply caricature it in making this gory film in which he basically gets possessed and kills everybody. The reality is, is that so many will see this. So many people will see this and say to themselves, oh, it's just funny. 
It's just for entertainment, not realizing truly the spiritual warfare that we are in. The fact is, is that in Proverbs chapter 8, when it specifically talks about wisdom, it says that all those who sins against me injures himself, and all those who hate me love death. And when you think about it over and over again, when it comes to horror films and gory films, a lot of times, I mean, just the the gratuitous murder scenes and everything that you see, it is grotesque. And truly, these are people who do not love the Lord. And those who simply don't want the wisdom that God provides, including the Holy Spirit as well, to reside in them, they do injure themselves. And in fact, I think of King Ahab, because we talk about this a lot, specifically when it talks about King Ahab, who had married, obviously, Jezebel, and they went after Elijah because he was a prophet of God, and they were busy in their just steeped paganism. And this was what it says about King Ahab. It says, But there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord because Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up. And I think about that, and the fact is, is that when we give in to sin and we allow sin to be our God, our pleasures to be our God, the reality is, is those very things are what we are selling ourselves to. Just as Jesus said quite clearly to Satan, when Satan was offering him the kingdoms of this world, that what will it profit a man? What will it profit a man who forfeits his soul? What can a man exchange for his soul? And so we think about that, and specifically the reality that people are giving and exchanging eternal life for the things of this world, whether it's rock and roll stardom, or whether it's this girlfriend or that boyfriend, or whether it's the pleasures that are provided from this world, it is a sad an unmistakable reality that so many people have chosen the things of this world over seeking and finding God, groping after him as to find him. And the Bible actually says in Proverbs that specifically in chapter 2, verses 4, that if we would seek him out as he would find treasure and precious silver, that we would come to find the knowledge of him, that we would find the Lord if we would seek after him as we would the treasures of this world. And which one should we even remotely try to compare to actually having everything that we have in Christ and yet people trade the things of this world? It is so heartbreaking to watch, but imagine what the Father sees looking down when those whom he created choose the things of this world, choose the rock star life, choose things like making horror films and so forth. And for us to look at this and not recognize it for the sinful reality, which it truly is, whether or not Dave Grohl knowingly or unknowingly is being tormented and demented by demons, the sad reality is there is the one-step program to get out of this, and that's coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when we come to Jesus Christ, we go from the dominion of darkness into the dominion of his marvelous son, because Jesus himself proclaimed the victory to those in Tartarus, that he looked at them and proclaimed the victory that he got on that cross for us. And the fact is, is that 
He holds the keys of the kingdom. The fact is that that's our Jesus Christ, a victorious one, and all the the devil and his demons and so forth, none of them, none of them have a chance when it comes to Jesus Christ. He wins. He is our banner. He is our victory. So when we walk in him, we have victory. Even if the devil and his minions are coming after you, you get to walk upright in your faith, knowing that Jesus Christ, his blood has atoned for your sin. While the accuser of the brethren is accusing you day and night, you remember the fact that Jesus Christ bought and paid for, said those words to Telestai, paid in full, so that when these demonic attacks. And by the way, guys, this is something that's really important. If you are discipling people and teaching people and not allowing them to understand the reality of spiritual warfare, not recognizing that it is a prerequisite for looking at scripture, that there are demonic entities, that there is a spiritual realm, that the wrestling that we do is not simply a flesh and blood wrestling match, but that there are demonic entities in this world, that Jesus Christ took demons out of people, that Jesus Christ had the demons trembling before him. If you're not telling people this and warning them, you're honestly not allowing them to be fully prepared for the attacks that they will incur as a believer in Christ. This is why Peter says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, he is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. When we are not recognizing our enemy, and his tactics, and the ways that he goes after believers and non-believers, and the fact is Dave Grohl and the like that do not know Jesus Christ are simply sons of disobedience who the prince of the power of the air is working through. These things are not accidents. This isn't just simply like, oh, Satan's looking back and sees that Dave Grohl or whoever you want to put out there with this music and movie scene that there he's sitting back like, man, millions of people are going to see this or, or millions of people are going to listen to the album and so forth. Man, I wish I would have thought about influencing them. He's already got them in his pocket and he is influencing you through them when you're allowing this to be entertainment for yourself. And I would encourage you to step away from that and cling to Jesus Christ alone and say, Jesus Christ, you will be my entertainment. You will be the one that I filter everything through, and I will see this world through kingdom goggles, that I will not look at this world like the rest of the world does. But then when I look through this, look at this world, I look at it through the lenses of Scripture. And I say to myself that I want to make sure that I'm not allowing and meditating and sitting with this in the seat of scoffers, that I'm meditating on the Word day and night, right? That my delight is in the law of the Lord. My, my delight should not be in the things that God hates, and the things that Jesus died for. Think about your sin in that regard. When you think about the sins you have committed or the sins you're being enticed by, remember that they nailed your Savior to the cross. And this is heartbreaking to me. I hate reading stories like this and seeing these haunted experiences that so many of these artists go through, so many of these actors go through, so many of even sports players as well. Some of the things that happened to them, happened to them, and not even recognizing where they can find victory and no longer have that happening to them. It really, really is heartbreaking, and it's something that we definitely need to pray for. We need to pray for deliverance, that the Lord would deliver them from that, and that happens by them coming to Christ. That is the only thing that will end up, I mean, really, the only thing that will matter in the end is whether or not they know Jesus Christ, whether or not they have the epinosis, the true knowledge of the one who loved them and gave himself up for them. I also 
wanted to point this out uh, because a recent article that came out by on the on uh, the New York Times as well as a couple other outlets have picked it up as well, but it is specifically regarding using the drug MDMA, also known as ecstasy, in order to help save marriages. And for you guys who don't know what MDMA is, it is most commonly known as ecstasy or Molly. It is a laboratory-made drug that produces a high similar to the stimulants called amphetamines. It also produces psychedelic effects similar to the hallucinogens, mescaline, and LSD. MDMA first became popular in a nightclub scene at raves and music festivals or concerts. It is now used by a broader range of people. The drug's effects generally last about three to six hours. Now, I bring this out for a number of reasons, personal to my own testimony, one of which came after Christ, that myself and a team here from Good Fight Ministries, we actually went out and Joe had written a track titled, When Ecstasy Turns to Misery. And we went out and handed out, I believe it was about 1,200 of these tracks at the Electric Daisy Carnival, which is, takes place for three nights, usually this at this time, was in Las Vegas. And I want to say it was one of the more heartbreaking endeavors. And for me personally, spiritually, I remember even as a non-believer going to OzFest, when I was going, I believe, into ninth grade, from eighth grade to ninth grade, I went to OzFest. And I remember before I saw my favorite band, which was Slipknot at the time, obviously before I knew Christ, and I remember there was a feeling, a spiritual feeling that I had never felt in my life going to that point, nor until I had went to Electric Daisy Carnival. And it was a very intense feeling of fear, which was very interesting because I was about to see my favorite band, which I knew every single lyric to every song they had made at that time. And I was so excited to see them, but I had this fear before they came on and didn't think anything of it. I, you know, headbanged my, myself out of there and, you know, went and, and I'm sure enjoyed in the flesh that concert and went home. And it wasn't until I came to Christ and then was sharing the gospel that we were out at the Electric Daisy Carnival. And when I got there and began sharing and handing out tracks with people, it that same exact feeling, that same spirit I felt it, but this time as a believer with the Jesus Christ uh, being crucified to Jesus Christ and who he is. And it really was very interesting because I, it was all at once that I felt the exact same feeling. And yet for this time, I had Jesus Christ and I knew that it was demonic in nature. And one of the things that was happening is we'd see people walking in, going to the Electric Daisy Carnival, and we'd ask and we interviewed multiple people, hey, you think anyone's going to be popping Molly tonight? Because uh, they would think that the interview was simply us. They're excited about Electric Daisy Carnival. And after they told us that about 99% of the people in there are going to be popping Molly and probably taking acid too, then when you'd share the gospel with them, their countenance would change. But when their countenance would truly change was when they were exiting and we got to see the walking dead as people coming down from the drug after hours and hours of dancing and sleeping with each other on the ground and whatever they were doing, the reality was is they were coming down from this high and you saw the walking dead coming out. And it was a, a, a stark reality. It was really looking at it that we said, wow, that is heartbreaking. It's such a lie that they get to walk in. They think this is going to be my greatest night. We're going to do this. Everything's going to be great. And when they come out, they're miserable. And it was heartbreaking to see 
And it brought me also back to about a month and a half before I had come to Christ. I would throw parties at my house on a regular basis. And when we'd throw these parties at my house, you know, people would come in and out and and whatever. But there was a certain group that were coming back at about three or four in the morning to my house. And they all came from a rave they were at. And they all came high as a kite on Molly. And the normal crowd that would come in, a bunch of my friends at the time, were pretty lively. And you think they're coming from a a rave, they're going to be pretty excitable. But really what happened was they just went around my computer at the time. I'm sure I was downloading and stealing music from LimeWire at that time. And uh, they were downloading music and then playing stuff that just basically had the subwoofer going hard. And there was a, a reality had set in that this is what my life was becoming. As I watched my friends, so to speak, <laughs> they weren't so much my friends once I came to Christ and wanted to preach uh, and the gospel to them, but those friends looking at them, once again, looking at them like zombies, waiting for a subwoofer to give them some sort of feeling. And I think about this in regards to this sort of worldly advice that if you simply do this with your spouse and you partake in this, now your marriage will be better. Your sex life will be better. Uh, you'll you'll have these, these great times of euphoria one with another. You'll feel clean. That's actually what the article says. And the reality is, is this is just a lie from the pit of hell. And I, I want to I wanna just, just preach a little bit and, and, and speak a little bit to those wives or husbands whose spouse may be wanting them to partake. Not, I'm not just talking about Molly, whether it's drunkenness, whether it's some sort of other compromise, whether it's looking at pornography. And yes, you can find article after article about how, how great it is for a couple to watch pornography together. In fact, Paula White, her husband, actually said from a pulpit to go watch porn to see what your husband likes. Two wives. And I want to encourage you because... I, you please do not think that being submissive as a as a wife, a good in a good submission. By the way, we're also supposed to submit one to another. Ephesians five mentions that, but First Peter chapter three talks about wives submitting to their husbands, or headship in the household, and so forth, as well as uh, in Ephesians. But but the key here is to recognize that we do not submit to the things that go against the Lord, just in the same way that you do not submit as a believer in Christ to laws by the government, which we do submit to according to Romans 13, but laws by the government that are directly against what the Word of God has stated. If your husband or wife is trying to get you to watch porn with with them, you need to recognize that Jesus said to pluck out your eye, cut off your hand if you're lusting after someone else, and being a digital peeping Tom would be about as unbiblical of a thing as you can find. And if your husband or wife is trying to get you to partake in that forbidden fruit, I am telling you right now, do not partake. Or if your husband has a problem with drinking and he's trying to convince you to go out and have drinks with him as he partakes to the point of drunkenness, I would tell you and encourage you, please do not bite of that forbidden fruit, especially if he's trying to get you to engage in pharmacia here with MDMA and Pop and Molly and so forth. And I also want to read a story about a husband and wife not being the best example and not encouraging one another that comes directly from Scripture. And this is in Acts chapter 5. It says, But a man named Ananias was with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property, and kept back some of the price for himself, with his wife's full knowledge. And bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. 
But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. It's because he lied to the Holy Spirit. And yes, the Holy Spirit is God. And as he heard these words, Ananias fell down and breathed his last breath. And great fear come over all who heard it. The young men got up and covered him. And after carrying him out, they buried him. Now, a few things here. Notice right away that Ananias and Sapphira, they come up with the scheme together and no one tries to talk out one or the other out of it, right? But then let's see what happens to Sapphira in verse 7. Now there elapsed an interval of about three hours and his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter responded to her, tell me whether you sold the land for such and such a price. And she said, yes, that was the price. Then Peter said to her, why is it that you have agreed together to put the spirit of the Lord to the test? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out as well. And immediately she fell at his feet and breathed her last breath. And the young men came in and found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came over the whole church and over all who heard of these things. Now, do you think that Sapphira should have been submissive and done exactly as her husband had told right there? Absolutely not. God put her to death for being a liar. Should they not have talked to each other and talked each other out of it? Yeah, they should have. So, if New York Times is writing an article that you guys need to be doing drugs together in order to, especially illicit drugs, hallucinogens, amphetamines, in order to get a special kick when you guys are together and get this euphoric feeling, guys, I'm telling you right now, talk each other out of it. Run away from this. If you're a wife and your husband is, is engaging in sinful behavior, do not partake in it. Run away from this. Sapphira should not have lied. First, she should not have been complicit in this. Run away from this. Turn from it. Don't be caught up in the sin of your spouse. Love them enough to share with them the truth. And if they continue to partake, still love them regardless. And do not fall victim as obviously Sapphira did. You submit to the Lord first. And in that submission, you are under the headship of your husband in the household. That doesn't mean you do wicked, sinful things in order to try to please them. You know, this is similar to taking sewage and washing your car with it. It is not going to be blessed. Your car is going to stink. And if you attempt to bless your marriage through sinful acts— the reality is you will reap what you sow. And I pray what happened to Ananias and Sapphira doesn't happen to you or those trying to convince their wives or husbands to partake in these sinful acts. This has been Chad Davidson, and this is the 511 News. The 511 News with Chad Davidson has been brought to you by Good Fight Ministries, bringing you news and commentary from a Christian perspective. This show can be heard every Friday wherever podcast shows are available or visit 511news.org. Thank you for joining us and we look forward to being with you next week on the 511 News.